Welcome back, guys, to the Beyond Condition podcast, the voice of bodybuilding. And today I am bringing you a solo episode. So you will know the last couple of weeks, there's been two episodes where I've touched on with guests the topics around trying to stay lean all year round and what that looks like, what that feels like. And also with Nick on Monday about building a body for life, but that experience of trying to get more comfortable in maintenance phases and in your off season. Now, today I'm going to be talking about self-restriction and essentially I want to talk about my own personal experiences with self-restriction, but also what I've learned as your podcast host, talking with guests about the likelihood of self-restriction in our sport, right? It would be flippant of me to say that there's not going to be elements of self-restriction coming into your peripheral. Because essentially when we're in a prep, we are restricting to get to that end goal of stepping on stage. So we commit to a sometimes what feels like never ending deficit and we remove food, we increase exercise. If you're an assisted athlete, we utilize things like stimulants. So there's lots of things that go into bringing your stage condition and it would be very, what's the right word? I'd be silly to say that then that won't transfer into potentially the phases that you're going to enter as a competitor. So when we try to reverse out from a show, when we go into a maintenance phase, when we go into an off season, because for that period of time, you're committing to restricting for that goal. So how does that look when we try to then embark on different phases? Some of you that listen may find that the reverse out, the maintenance, the off-season phases are, you know, where you thrive. You may find that actually it's the prep that's harder and the restriction that takes place. And I want to explore this because I feel like even if you get into your off season and it's pretty plain sailing, you really like that phase, that this could help you support other competitors you may know. But also if this did ever come about, if you found yourself self-restricting, then this could potentially help you think about what this looks like as you move forward as a competitor. Now I'm talking here about competitors This is also something that affects bodybuilders in general, but also people that maybe don't call themselves a bodybuilder. They maybe do this as a lifestyle. They do the gym, they diet, et cetera, et cetera. But maybe, you know, they would class themselves as more general population, but the likelihood of self-restriction could certainly still be there. Now, in this episode, like I say, I want to talk about my own personal anecdote and what I've learned as your podcast host, but also some of the patterns that I've seen working with clients to try and help you potentially realize if you are self-restricting yourself, because we can often attribute certain behaviors, certain thought processes, the way we do things 
to being a bodybuilder and being labeled as a bodybuilder. And we may not even realize that this is something that we're in a behavioral pattern of essentially self-restricting. I want to start by breaking down the different types of self-restriction that can come about. So when you look at the term self-restriction, it'd be very easy for you to think, okay, so that's me eating less food. But it certainly comes in different forms. There's lots of different ways that essentially contribute to you self-restricting. And before I get into those different types, why do we find ourselves self-restricting? It's often because we care about how we look. Potentially, we've experienced disordered ways of thinking, eating, acting, and that then transfers into self-restrictive patterns. But also, it can give a sense of control. And you know, if you listen to the podcast, one of my biggest reasons for getting into bodybuilding was the elements of control. So that can often take over. So let's talk about the different ways that self-restriction can present and how we can look at this from an outsider's point of view also to understand this more. So I mentioned there, self-restriction is often thought about as restricting food. So essentially you eat less food to self-restrict. And that's probably your most common way and what most people would attribute the term self-restriction to. But when we start looking at the bigger picture, there's lots of different methods that lead to you essentially self-restricting. So as a bodybuilder or even a lifestyle client or someone that is keen on using the gym, of course, in the diet phases, we utilize cardiovascular work, and that's going to help us create a larger deficit. So what happens when you go through the different phases where cardiovascular output decreases? We can sometimes feel the need to keep cardiovascular exercise in to essentially purge. So we are, I mean, we could call it self-sabotaging, we could call it whatever you want to label that as you're doing more exercise than has been prescribed by your coach so in a sense you are trying to burn more calories than is appropriate to your phase so you are in essence then self-restricting because you're in a deeper deficit than has been prescribed as i just said there this can also transfer into doing more steps, as an example. So if your steps are set at a target range, which often changes as you come out of your diet or your prep and you go through the reverse out and into the growth phase, your steps, generally speaking, are going to decrease. Now, I myself like to keep my client's steps at, you know, 10 to 12K in all of the phases and then in a diet we will ramp that up but that is purely to keep a base level of fitness to be able to stay active and also it's looking at the bigger picture sometimes and keeping that cardiovascular health and general fitness as we move through an off season but then if you're doing more 
to try and pull yourself into more expenditure, then we could look at that as a form of self-restriction. Now, we've also got the elements of if you go into binge restrict cycles, this is another behavior pattern that can occur when we self-restrict. So it's not just self-restricting by eating less food and doing that over a space of time. This would be off the back of binging and then restricting to try and almost claw back the calories that you've overeaten on, which unfortunately is a very, very common pattern that can happen for a lot of competitors, especially off the back of a show. It's not only your hunger hormones, your sex hormones, the physiological adaptations that have occurred in a prep. And then when you come out into the reverse out, you feeling really, really hungry and almost that insatiable hunger. You don't know sometimes what to do with yourself. And I know my client D will be listening to this. We have a bit of a running joke as to, I said to her once, I feel like I want to eat my hand because in the last prep, really pushing into a diet, it was like nothing is touching my, my capabilities through food. Nothing's hitting satiation. It becomes that almost task. Each day it's eat the food plan, get to bed, eat the food plan and just rinse and repeat. So like I say, it's very hard to almost gain that satiation in the diet, but also off the back of the diet. So not only those hormones being affected, but of course your identity for a elongated period of time, even if you've done a shorter prep, so say 12 to 14 weeks, your identity of doing a prep as a competitor after the show changes and that happens to us all and it's not easy for many of us like I say there may be some outliers that just crack on with the off season they feel super good with the reverse out and they continue into the off season but most people that have experienced these phases it takes doing them multiple times to actually feel much more settled with flexing through the different phases so when we tie this into the likelihood of binging, like I say, you know, you can almost feel like nothing is ever going to satiate you again in that acute period of time, because it is acute to a certain degree. Now, depending on how lean you have got for your competition, also how much weight you have lost during that prep, potentially you may have lost weight before the prep and then continued on to a prep because you did well, you were infused, you thought, okay, I'm gonna take this further and I'm gonna go to stage. So looking at how long you've been in a diet phase plus a prep also, or even that prep in its entirety, that will potentially lead to how long you need to allow yourself that recovery period after your show. And like I say, even with all the experience in the world, it would be a complete oversight of me to say it gets easy if you've done it multiple times. Because personally, for me, it doesn't. It gets easier, but that's because essentially you almost know what's coming. But 
there is this this period of time through the post show and it's something i did an episode on you know separately why do i feel like this post show and that podcast was very well received because it's like you're in this no man's land so then if you find yourself in this binge restrict cycle how do you get out of that now i've known myself and also through the coaches that i speak to plenty of people that have really really got into those those cycles those i was going to say almost bad habits but i never want to say anything's bad i don't want this to ever be you know a negative we need to be able to talk about these things as they are in order to be able to address them educate ourselves and hopefully move forward if we're in this type of pattern in this type of cycle and i've known this to you know competitors have competed and gained over 20 kilos of weight in a very short space of time and we're talking four to six weeks how do you then break that cycle and what i've noticed is when you go through this acute period after your show if if you do end up in this position you've gone from the most incredible shape of your life to almost you know back almost looking like you're not a competitor back to before you started the prep and potentially putting on more weight than when you started the prep so in your mind does that feel like okay i've completely fucked everything i've regressed back to where i was and i feel like maybe i look worse than when i started the prep and how does that feel how do we break that cycle because i certainly feel and this will resonate with people that have lost a large amount of weight that when you get to a certain body composition and you know deep down it's going to take a pretty long period of time to lose that weight and head towards a body that you're confident in knowing that that's going to take an elongated period of time is fucking scary and it's hard concept to get in your own head and I always try and imagine what that would feel like now I've never been you know overweight per se I was carrying body fat before I started bodybuilding but it's never for me to say I know how you feel when I haven't been at you know a very large body composition but from working with people and from what I would feel like that could feel inside would be I don't know where to start and almost giving up on yourself because you feel like you've got so far to go so then when we relate this back into my example there of getting to this point you know six weeks after being in the best shape of your life does it feel like well I don't know how I'm ever going to get back there what have I done what has happened here and it's that breaking of the cycle that needs to occur for us to be able to get through this period and be able to get back on track but what ha often happens in these binge restrict cycles is that you binge and then for the following few days or the following day or however long that lasts for you 
you end up trying to pull back these calories and you eat less, you move more, and that then leads to you feeling hungry again. So what then, when we look at it, what led to you binging in the first place? Generally, above, you know, of course, there is periods of time in life that could lead to a binge because you're facing an emotional challenge. But if we start with this example here of why would you binge post-show or post-diet? Normally, it's because you're hungry and you start to eat through desire, through that urge to want to eat and satiate yourself. And also physiologically, your body is not happy at a low body fat level. So you eat all of these, these foods and you have a binge experience. Then you try to claw back the calories. You do extra expenditure. And what is that going to result in? when we actually think of it logically, you're gonna be hungry again. So I'd say that this is certainly a common reason why the binge restrict cycle then solidifies and it becomes a regular thing that you find yourself doing. Now, what happens generally speaking with a lot of people that experience this is that when you binge, you do that, you do that quickly and it's normally highly palatable foods which carry a lot of calories afterwards you feel terrible depending on how much food you ate you're then going to struggle to get to sleep potentially struggle with digestion and that coupled with the mental torture you can feel after a binge episode is not a nice place to be now i haven't binged myself with you know going in and going this is a binge i'm going to eat till absolute excess and find myself in that position where it's like that's been a binge but what i have done is i've certainly eaten large amounts of food particularly after a show and not felt good after that so i can relate to how it feels physiologically also mentally but I'm never, ever going to try and preach that I'm, you know, a food disorder specialist or someone that knows exactly how you feel if you are in a binge restrict cycle. But as you know, guys, my solo episodes are always from a place of trying to share my experience as a coach, as a competitor, for you to listen and go, OK, so if this is happening to me, can I gather some tools here or some self-actualization to move forward? So like I say, I know how that feels to eat more than you potentially thought you were going to or eat and then suddenly have that dump of food in your gut and think, holy shit, I do not feel good. So then the next day, again, it's that mental torture of you wake up and you realize what you've done then it's what can I do to, like I say, claw those calories back? What can I do to almost erase what happened? And I certainly found that when I had these periods of time after shows, when I would say, right, I'm going to go for a meal and eat X, Y, Z. And this was more the earlier days of my competing years, if I then had additional food and I felt that dump of food in my gut and that feeling of holy shit, I feel very, very full. It's very tricky 
to address that there and then because you get caught in the moment to a certain degree, particularly that first post-show meal. And when I think back to what that felt like after a show, particularly, you know, the first couple, having not done extreme diets before, I could eat the food. I had the capacity to eat the food. And it wasn't until sort of 20 minutes after that there's that wall, you know, I've certainly eaten too much here. And what do you then do with those thoughts and feelings apart from feel incredibly self-detrimental? What have I done? And I would then wake up those next mornings. And what I would do with my analytical mind is work out, okay, so X was X calories. Y was Y calories. And then I'd find myself in the matrix of my fitness pal, which is a library in my own head. Matt actually winds me up about this and says, you're literally like an expert in my fitness pal because I know the calories in pretty much everything. I'm able to, I feel like probably over the 12 years of bodybuilding, I've almost built a library in my brain of what foods yield certain calories. So like I say, you know, the next morning it's like, okay, so I ate that. And then I don't know if any of you guys have experienced this, but I would then visualize the food that I eaten. So say it's a burger. We'll go with a burger because that's my favorite post-show meal ordinarily. But say I had the burger. So I would visualize that and I would think, okay, so this steak burger was X size. Okay, so that's going to be roughly that many calories. There was a cheese slice. So that's about that many calories. There was some ketchup. That's about that many calories of brioche bun. You can see my thought process here. So then I would almost itemize every single thing I ate and go through this laying in bed the next morning, thinking through it, this library of foods, calculating in my own mind what I'd eaten. Sometimes I'd sit and write it on my notes. I'd have to almost get it out to realize what I'd eaten and how many calories I'd gone over, then we're set. Now, I say set, in my first few seasons, until I started to make my own decisions more so around post-show food, I my coach said, you know, have what you want. Now, that's a difficult one, right? Because when you're at that point after a show and you haven't experienced it before, having what you want is what can end up leading to you eating a lot more than you maybe need to or should or however we want to frame that. And then it can lead to these cycles that happen as we move forward. So when I think back to having what I want, for me, I would have been better with guidelines. And this is where I work and structure with my own clients and, you know, any of you guys that reach out from the podcast that are about to compete and you're concerned about post-show already is trying to have guidelines in place and thought processes before you compete as to, OK, so what do I want to do after my show? Now, this is I almost feel like it's like a grown up way of thinking in the bodybuilding space. Now, what I mean by that is when you get into the sport I felt like I was immature to the sport. So, you know, if you think of a child compared to a fully grown adult, 
it's like when you start out in bodybuilding, you're a child and then you go through several phases and you become an adult to it and it becomes much more logical. So now I'm in a, a very secure place with what each phase brings. Yes, I still have hangups. I'm not going to lie. However, I've been able to go from being that rookie newbie bodybuilder to overeating, you know, going through periods of wanting to self-restrict, spending years of my life imprisoned by negative self-talk to sitting here today delivering this podcast in a very, very different mindset. And this is what I like to do for my clients. What I do is I use those 12 years and I can foresee things that may happen I can talk about pretty much anything they come across because I've been there and I've, it's hard to almost, you know, admit that that's my strong suit per se, but you can read as many studies as you want. You can listen to as many podcasts and YouTube videos as you want. However, in my mind, personal anecdote is by far our greatest resource when we are talking about mental health and also behavioral patterns that do come about. So I feel extremely privileged to be able to offer this and for my clients to be receptive. And it's often why people reach out to me because they can go, wow, you know, you've got 12 years of doing this. What can I learn from you? And what education can I gain to hopefully if these these cycles occur or anything I've already spoken about happens we can nip it in the bud in the early days so that example I gave of you know after six weeks of competing and putting on 20 kilos you know this could potentially stop when it starts so we have the first binge episode and then as a coach I'm able to support my clients and we can talk about that now if you're experiencing or you have experience and maybe you're in a prep now and you don't know if there's a likelihood that this will happen again to you, I personally would speak to your coach. If this is something that has happened in the past, your coach needs to know. I would also, and this again is something that I like to do, talk with your coach about what the reverse out and the off season will look like before you get there. Start to understand it educate yourself and understand also which is quite hard for competitors when they're in a prep to hear and fully take on board but if you're listening now and you're in a prep guys you cannot keep prepping forever you cannot stay lean forever you've heard on the episode with Aram four weeks to the beach what will happen if you try and do that and also with the episode with Nick. You've heard me speak on this podcast many, many times and share on my social media what can happen if you try and stay lean for longer periods of time. There's a big, big difference, guys, between dieting and a contest prep. And if we find ourselves self-restricting and trying to stay lean, the physiological impacts that can happen and the mental health impacts that can happen are phenomenal because it can completely construct your life and your every waking moment. And if you are self-restricting, physiologically, 
your body is not happy. And if we now break down the different ways of trying to combat each of those methods of self-restriction I've spoken about, and then I'm going to talk about other ways that you may be self-restricting, but not actually realizing that it's a method of self-restriction. So we're going to start from the top. My first example and what most people would assume self-restriction is not eating the food that you've been assigned on your plan or the appropriate amount of calories that are appropriate to your phase outside of a diet. I say that, but I have in the past tried to eat less calories and self-restrict in an extreme prep also. So this, I don't want to miss that out. This is also appropriate to self-restricting in a prep. Now that may seem wild to some people listening. Why would you eat less in an extreme deficit already? But guys, let's face it. If you're of the same mindset of me, that you will do whatever it takes to get lean, to get to stage condition, you will literally do whatever it takes. And that can be at detriment to yourself. This can also be at detriment to your stage performance and your stage physique. So the reason I want to start with that is it is not clever to go against what your coach is telling you. Now, I understand why you do it. Like I say, I've done it. I've tried to cut out, you know, even silly, silly things of, you know, at one point, Tom said, if you want to, you can have two monsters a day. So with my analytical, my fitness pal mind, I know that monsters have 11 calories in them, the ones that I was having. So what can I do there? He says I can have two, but I'll hang it out. Even if my energy is in the gutter and I would have one. So it seems like a silly example, but if you guys are listening and you relate to this, I feel you, I understand you, I see this. And this is, you know, my reason I do these solo episodes and I do the podcast in general. It's to give you a voice. You are not alone if you have these thought processes. You are not alone. And it may feel like you're alone. I've been there also. And I used to listen to podcasts hoping to have comfort, to find support, to build community. And I didn't feel that. I felt like at times people were much more advanced than me. They wouldn't talk about things like I'm talking today, trying to save 11 calories on a monster, right? But it is a thing when you are of this mindset. And if we don't talk about it, if I don't talk about it as your podcast host, I could be missing an opportunity to hopefully speak to you right now in your ears and say, when you are in a prep, if you find yourself wanting to restrict more, and that also goes for doing more steps, more cardio, the things that would accrue more of a deficit, if you do that, there's two examples here. If you do that and you don't tell your coach, you've got to remember, guys, your coach is basing changes 
on you saying that you're doing the plan that they've set. So if you're saying I'm doing X and you're not and you're doing more and you check in, your coach is going to prescribe what you need to do that following week or however often you check in based on you saying what you've done in the plan that's been set. This is not helpful for your coach. It is also not helpful for you because you're not being honest. And this is going to be, you know, dependent on the person, right? But I know a lot of my listeners are honest people that they really value, you guys really value how I'm honest. So if you're an honest person and you're holding information back from your coach, it is not going to make you feel good. And mentally, over time, that will chip away. So that is the first, you know, example. You've then also got the example of telling your coach, okay, so I am doing more. Now, in that example, I'm hoping that you have a coach that you can tell and that they work with you to essentially give you education into if you do more at this point, then this could happen. However, if it's brushed over, I would personally speak to your coach again about this because there's something occurring here, guys, that can lead to bigger problems in the prep when you step on stage and certainly, certainly post-show. So if you do find yourself wanting to do more, isn't that better? Surely more of a deficit is better to get leaner. In simple terms, yes. So we create more of a deficit, we get leaner, right? But what we need to remember here, guys, is we are physique-based athletes. We're not doing Weight Watchers or Slimming World or whatever other diet. There's so, so many, guys. We're in a contest prep. So what are we doing over that period of time? We are getting leaner while trying to maintain as much training performance as possible. We're doing that over a period of time and that is timelined to get you to the stage in the best condition with muscular fullness, with being able to perform and essentially bring in a stage physique. So if you're self-restricting, even early on, on top of the deficit you've been set and your coach doesn't know that, that timeline essentially is, I'm not going to say blown out the water, it's trying to work out what the best words to describe that as, but that plan is almost non-redundant, right? Because this is, your plan is set individually to you for you to lose weight over a period of time, you may have competed before, so you have an idea of your stage weight. It's constructed so that you're able to last the prep in the best physiological and mental state as possible. Yes, the last you know six weeks, it gets pretty gnarly. But if you're self-restricting near the start, that six weeks that gets gnarly could be extended. And what does that do? that additional period of time where you're self-restricting restricting on top of your deficit 
can end up accruing more fatigue when you get closer to stage flat you can look flatter than maybe you would if you were following your plan it could be very hard to replenish your glycogen stores when you do your peak when you get to the stage your performance could be affected because you've done more of the deficit than was set your reverse out and your rebound could be a night and day difference if you have been hanging out in a deeper deficit for a longer period of time than was planned out with your coach. And what we've got to remember, guys, is that any refeeds or peaks are set by your coach using data and they are timelined in the best places across your prep. It's not just, oh, let's pop a deep, uh, refeed him. It's okay, so let's look at when X athlete, we will do X amount of time in a deficit. I'm going to say X because it's going to be different for every athlete. And then we may program a refeed or it might get to the point where a lot of coaches will do it where, you know, it gets to the point where it's like, mm, I think we could throw a deep, uh, refeed in here. And that refeed is going to be based on the data you've given for the deficit that has been set. So if you're doing more of a deficit, this could affect not having such an efficient refeed. This will also potentially affect when you get to peak week and you do your peak, if you're holding back more so, the peak is timed where your show is and then your timeline is worked backwards, right? So hopefully you have a coach that timelines and helps you understand this process. But we have our show here and we work backwards. I realize I'm I'm acting on camera here and you can't see me if you're listening to the podcast. But you imagine the end goal of the show, that red flag, and then you work yourself your, your way back. So you've got that journey of the prep. And essentially, your coach is going to be timelining or at least a rough timeline of what's going to get you to your stage condition. And that is based on data, what you give your coach and your physique response. So you might think that self-restricting further in your prep at the start isn't going to do fuck all to your peak. But we've got to realize that over time that there could be the potential of you. If you keep doing this over your prep, that it could impact that end goal, that end stage physique. Because if you keep pushing into a deeper deficit, physiologically, the body doesn't like it anyway. So if you're doing that more of your own accord, this is where I say this is a physique based sport. So. This is why I gave the example, this is not Weight Watchers, because they don't care what you look like. You do, but you're not judged on your physique. But if you're doing things against your coach's wishes, when you get to stage, if you don't have that stage look that was planned for, that's desired, if you don't get the placing you want, if you've done things like self-restricting your prep, that's on you. And that is not a nice feeling to have. Trust me, you know, anything that you do in a prep you think about when you step on stage now luckily for me when I had these thoughts you know that example of a monster I spoke to Tom and we thrashed it out and that was straight away my main thing is that I had those thoughts 
And that, what can thoughts lead to, right? Actions. But what we need to be able to do is self-actualize thought processes and speak to our coach. If you're thinking of trying to create a further deficit in a deficit, this is something you want to speak to your coach about. And this also feeds into, excuse the pun, refeeds. So many, many coaches will utilize refeeds through different phases. It's not just preps, but if we focus on the prep as the example, and many, many competitors will go, no, I'm not lean enough. I don't want to refeed. But if you've hired a coach, this is a big message on this episode, guys. If you've hired a coach, do what the coach says. If you've hired a coach and the coach is prescribing things that you're not sure of. So the example would be, you know, I get a lot of you reach out that have been given advice and you've heard me speaking with guests on the podcast, particularly around PED use. And you thought, holy shit, I shouldn't be doing that. You then need to take it upon yourself to either reach out to another coach that you've vetted fully or you need to speak to that coach and speak up and have a voice and say, why are you getting me to do this? I'm not sure I should be doing this. However, if you've hopefully done this in the, the logical way, per se, you've looked for a coach, you've researched the coach, you've perhaps spoken to their clients, you've had maybe multiple co consultations and you've got the right coach for you, go all in. Do everything they say, because prep is not a joke, guys. Now, I know some people will do it to step on stage and perhaps, you know, it's more, I want to give this a go and I want to step on stage. But if you're being set a plan, even if that's your example, maybe you're not pursuing the sport to, you know, trying to get a pro card or win a show, or whatever it may be. I would still say that you do what your coach says. Even if you're prepping to step on stage and experience it, you will still feel that element of, did I stick to my plan to the letter? And that's a big bit of advice here, guys. When you have thoughts around self-restriction in a diet phase or a prep, speaking to your coach and self-actualizing and being honest with yourself and understanding, guys, let me tell you, it's going to generally be from a point of you want to do your best. You want to get leaner. You want the scale weight to drop quicker. You want to see your striations come through. You're worried. Am I going to be lean enough to step on stage? But you have to trust your coach. Everything they prescribe you is for a purpose. And generally speaking, I can't speak for every coach, but is your coach going to want to put you on stage not lean enough? I would, I would guess that the answer is no, they wouldn't want to put you on stage unless you're lean enough. And is your coach going to get you to do things that are not in line with your goals? Again, hopefully not. And remember, we're talking about a prep in its entirety here, not necessarily PD use, et cetera, because I know that's going to, you know, blur some lines there and and there is some wild wild things that happen when we talk about pds but let's talk about you know the prep in itself generally speaking your coach is going to prescribe you 
how to get from A to B and look the best that you can. Now, when we then talk about eating less food in the other phases, so this is where you might assume that it would take place more than in a prep or a diet. So when we come off the back of a diet or a prep, we've reached a level of condition that generally speaking, we're going to be phenomenally happy with. Now, I say generally speaking because are we ever happy, guys? I'll let you answer that as you listen to me on my rambles today. But it's very hard to feel completely content when you're in the physique-based realm. However, trying to stick to the lower macros that you've been on in your prep trying to hold back on food when you come away from getting to stage condition. This is not just affecting you physiologically, this is affecting you mentally. Now, I speak from experience. I always felt that progress was getting lean. The off-season, I had to work on reframing over years and years and years. Now, like I mentioned right near the start, some of you may thrive in off-season and really love this phase. And that, for me, is so, so, so fucking cool to see because I get it now, I understand it. And it's something I've always tried to help my clients embrace. But for me, it's been a work in progress because of competing so many times over my period so far as a competitor. But if we find ourselves in these these patterns, these thought processes as to how can I pull back food so that I can stay leaner? Where does that end? Because when we've committed to a prep or a diet for an elongated period of time, essentially we're going against what the body wants to do when we reach a certain level of condition. So yes, if you've got a lot of weight to lose, essentially you're going to get healthier as you move through losing fat. However, when there's that tipping point, and this can be for lifestyle clients as well, perhaps you're doing a photo shoot, or if you're doing a prep for a show, you're going to meet that point where it becomes, let's, let's play it straight, guys. I was going to try and dress it up there to a certain degree, but it's not normal. We are going against what the body wants to do and we are getting leaner, we're dropping body fat against the psychological and physiological cues that the body is giving. So we feel heightened hunger, we feel lower energy, our sleep is affected, our mood may be affected, lots of things occur in this, this space of time. So when we do that, and like I say, this is not just a prep for a show. This could be, you know, a, a big push on a diet. We get to the point where all of these things are occurring. So sleep, energy, perhaps your menstrual cycle, hormones, sex hormones, everything is being affected here. If we continue to try and drag that out, many things can occur. So as the example of your menstrual cycle, this is a bit of a, would I say, grey area in my eyes with what I see coaches putting out. Now, it's not for me to, you know, say that 
any other coaches have got it wrong or what have you. That's not my vibe, as you guys know, if you listen to the podcast. However, there's not really a set, okay, we need to put on X amount of weight, then your menstrual cycle will definitely return. And also, this is, again, a grey area. Some coaches will just overload the calories and put them right up and they will frame it as we need to get your menstrual cycle back however a lot of the coaches that I speak with a lot of the guests that I have on the podcast through my own research through my own education that actually do we need to set a goal with the link of you need to eat higher calories to get your menstrual cycle back or do we bring up the calories sensibly look at recovery look at sleep look at a good variation on your diet look at the the things like hydration general health supplementation all of these things and do we try and bring down the cardio try and bring down your stress levels and try and support you as someone that's just done a prep and you're coming through this phase, do we try and get things in line with calorie increases as we go and then the period restores itself from the good foods that you're putting in, from the stress markers slowly coming down, from your sleep getting better over time. Again, it's a grey area and I don't want to get too much into that on this podcast today, but I'd certainly say that, you know, we've got to then think about how this looks in regards to pulling back on calories yourself and self-restricting for a phase where your goal, generally speaking, is to restore your health. So if you're not eating the calories that have been prescribed, if you're pulling back off your own accord, those health markers are not going to improve as quickly as they could if we were eating the foods that are going to help you come away from those hormonal adaptations that occur. Again, this is going to be very person dependent. How long you've been in the diet, what body composition you came from, and many other factors that your coach will know. So hopefully your coach can guide you through this. So the same rule applies if you're self-restricting in a diet or you're self-restricting in the reverse out or the maintenance or the off-season, you need to speak to your coach. Now, what happens if you feel like you cannot talk to your coach? That's a difficult one for me, guys, because I am not here to tread on anyone's toes. I never am, and I will continue to make that clear. You guys know, everyone that reaches out to me, I will give an objective opinion, but I will not go against what your coach has told you or prescribed. Essentially, you will speak, hear me speak about things myself or with guests, and you can make a decision as to if your coach is getting you to do things that aren't appropriate for you. But if you don't feel like you can speak to your coach about you self-restricting, then I personally would look at getting a different coach or some additional support. So I had Emily on the podcast in January, this January, and I've had her on before. And she is someone that helps people with food disorders or disordered eating as a bolt on to your normal coaching. She can sort of be someone who's there in the 
The peripheral also assisting you with essentially disordered eating or self-restricting. So that would be where I go with that. However, if you're listening and potentially you haven't self-actualized the degree at which you're self-restricting, maybe I can help you by talking today about the detriment to yourself and what that looks like for your life as a person outside of being a bodybuilder. So if you attribute your success to being lean, what's that going to look like for the rest of your life? So let's look at what goes into getting lean, whether that's photo shoot, stage, however we want to look at it. If your constant endeavour and the way you view yourself as successful is attributed to you being lean, is that going to be sustainable and realistic for you to live a happy life for the rest of your life? Because when you get lean, when you get to a certain level of lean, you're not the best version of yourself. Yes, guys, I totally get it. I thrive in prep. It's certainly my comfort zone, or however I'm learning how much I'm loving a growth phase right now. But prep is cool for me. You know, it's not an issue. I like prep. I like what it brings. But when I look at what goes into my preps, is that something that I can sustain and be a good partner and be a good coach and be a person that enjoys living outside of a deficit? My honest opinion is no. Now, when I say about can you be a good partner, a good coach, et cetera, et cetera, I believe, and this is personal to me, hopefully some of you guys will relate and this is not me being arrogant you know but me by now that is not how I roll but if you set out a prep and you know that for say it's 16 weeks you've got a 16 week prep ahead of you you know the deficit's going to continue over time it's going to get harder more and more needs to go into it more commitment is required you get closer to your show then you're going to compete but then if you tell yourself, okay, so the start, it's not easy. It's never easy per se, but obviously it gets harder over time. So the, the first bit of a prep, generally speaking, if you've come off the back of, you know, a off season or a maintenance phase, obviously I did give the example earlier of if someone's dieted and then continued on to a prep. But if we take the examples of if you've done a maintenance or an off season, generally speaking, you've got fat stores there. You've had a good amount of food. The first four, six weeks are pretty cool. You know, you've still got energy and also you start to get excited for what's to come. If you're doing this for the right reasons, it might not be an excited like Christmas, but it's an excited for the stage, getting leaner, what's to come, you know, all of the progress that we see towards that stage worthy physique. So over that time, it's pretty cool. Then you can, of course, start to feel it a little bit more, and that can ebb and flow. 
But like I say, my personal opinion here, guys, and my clients all know this, Matt knows this, my coach knows this, and anyone knows this who is close to me, probably those of you that aren't close to, to me as well, potentially, because I make it quite apparent. The preps that I do are a choice. I fucking love bodybuilding. So when I go for a prep, it doesn't matter how fucked I am, I am still doing everything in my power to be a good partner, to 100% deliver to my clients as I would in any phase. I personally do not think it's okay if your coach is in a prep and six weeks out, they send you a message saying, sorry, it's going to be minimal contact now. I'm getting ready for a show. To me, that is your coach saying that their goal is more important than yours. And to me, that is not on. That's my personal opinion. If anyone listens to this and you're a coach and you do that, you know, it's not something I think should happen. That's my personal opinion. And of course, it's an open space. And this, I feel, is something that should not happen. So if I'm going to prep, my clients aren't suffering. My clients aren't getting less of a service. However, if you're a coach that does this and now you're thinking, maybe I shouldn't do this, what I would say is look at having some time off around your shows. We're allowed time off, guys, as online coaches. It's something I've got to get used to. I love my job, so... Time off is, is not a thing. However, I'm having a week off next week for Matt's birthday. Anyway, the time off before, after, in between shows, however you want to do it, that would be a way for you to go, okay, so I'm having a week off before my show and I'm having a week off after my show. And I'm going to make sure everything is in place for me to offer what I always would and allowing for holidays, because like I say, you know, it's employment, we are still allowed holidays, but ensuring that you're able to do all of those things in a prep, I think boils down to if you actually want to do the prep, if you give a shit about your job and your partner, you don't have to go into a prep and forget everyone else. Yes, you go dark, guys. I understand it. You have to have tunnel vision, but you also need to take ownership of being able to speak to your partner and those around you and be able to say, I'm going dark. This doesn't mean that I don't love you. This doesn't mean X, Y, Z, but it means that at the moment I am prioritizing getting this, this prep done, getting to stage, but I want you to support me. Anyway, I've been on a massive, massive tangent there, but Essentially, what I'm saying there is, and I don't ever want to just say something and not give a solution because that, again, grinds my gears. When you see things, you know, if you self-restrict, you should stop. And that's the end of the post. It is not helpful, but that's where I say, if you can't speak to your coach about this, and this is where this tangent began, look at support outside of that or look at a different coach that you can confide in. So if you find yourself doing this, guys, there needs to be an element of self-actualization. And this is where you need a trusted space to speak to someone about this. 
Because for me, until I self-actualized it, until I said I'm self-restricting and actually spoke out words out of my mouth, I couldn't come away from it. And that is the biggest bit of advice I've got today is that you need to own what you're doing. Now, like I said, generally speaking, the reason we're doing this is because we care about how we look. We want to stay lean because it feels good to have this physique that you've worked hard for. And you can see there, you know, or, or here, the passion I've got there because I get it, guys. I understand. And it's hard. It's really, really hard when you get to a condition, maybe the best condition of your life, and that starts to slip away. There's nothing anyone can say at times that is going to help you not want to keep hold of that. Because let's face it, we're in a world where a lot of attributing factors to looking good are being leaner. There's nothing we can do about that. We've been brought into this world where media instagram etc etc you know people like seeing people lean striations and whatever else and that does not help but what we've got to realize is off the back of this is that when you do a competition prep you are going beyond lean and you're doing something your body does not want to do and if we continue to self-restrict during this period of time then the health markers not getting back on track, elongating that, that can cause impact moving forward on your health markers, your organs, guys. We maybe think that we're invincible and we can just continue to push on. But let me tell you, I've had organ problems, right? We can damage our thyroid we can cause a hell of a lot of problems physiologically that we wouldn't even know were happening. Hopefully you get your bloods done regularly, but it's not always everything's checked in your blood work, depending on what panel you get done. And we need to be aware of this. Food is our energy. Food is our fuel. And it's also our health. Now, when you're listening to this, if you're in these cycles if you're in this period of time one of the biggest things that started to change my mindset and really helped me perhaps this will also help you food is health food can be enjoyed but we need to let ourselves see food for what it is to restore my own relationship with food I needed to understand why I was attributing certain foods as good or bad why I would want to eat certain foods or not eat certain foods and I needed to almost rewire my brain to be able to do that and the self-restriction often is tied to wanting to stay leaner as we move away from being lean and that's going to be personal to you. I'm never going to be here to go, well, you should do this, you should do that, and everything will resolve. But like I say, guys, please speak to someone or your coach. 
I understand how lonely this feels. I really, really do. And that's tough because I, right now I can recall so many times when I would be in this spot of worrying about what everyone else thinks as I move through the different phases. If I wasn't Lena, would people think, well, she's let herself go. What's what's happened there? She looked really good. I've had all the comments. Are you allowed to eat that when I'm having a square of fucking dairy milk? Can you eat that? It's a cereal bar. You know, all of these things that are normal foods, but they are labelled by other people. And I think personally that did affect how I then saw certain foods, right? And then those self-restrictive patterns and, and why I mentioned about what other people think, that can lead to you self-restricting in the different phases. So you might even clear the reverse out, the initial maintenance phase, and you're in the off season, you might feel pretty good. But some wanker decides to make a comment. And I actually wanted to say some cunt then, because why people have to project their opinion onto you about your physique, it blows my mind to this day, and I'll never ever be able to understand why somebody needs to subject to you negative thoughts and actualize that by being negative to you about your physique and I've faced this a hell of a lot over my whole life and many of you will people putting their opinions on you how does that lead to self-restriction how does that lead from you feeling good in an off season, training hard, enjoying good sleep, being able to potentially have a meal with friends, all of these things. And what happens when one person decides to say something negative about your physique? Suddenly, you maybe find yourself self-restricting again. And I've been there. And I talk from experience, and this has not happened just once, because there are many of these nasty people in the world. And how do you get back from that? How do you get someone's nasty comment out of your mind? And this might be someone you know really well. Again, I've had this. This could also be your partner, guys. This could be your partner being detrimental to you being lean and then you being in an off season and then maybe they like you being leaner. All I can say is ejecting those people out of your life is the best decision you will ever make. Anyone that speaks negatively about your physical appearance. It's hard for me to put into words here, guys, because this this hits me hard. Because no one has the right to attack you for your physical appearance. No one's got the right to attack you in any way. But if you find someone being detrimental about your physical appearance, 
getting away from them as soon as possible, but also speaking to someone. Please speak to your coach. If you want to, speak to me, because it's important. If you start to go down this self-restriction because of what someone else has said, and let me add, guys, these people are generally speaking people that aren't even in the physique development realm so they've got no fucking idea and half the time these people do not do anything for their own physique development journey they don't even know what physique development is and they've got they feel they've got the right to make a comment to you about your physique when you're flying and that one person fucks it up so speak to someone now if we then leave this I feel like the, the best way to then sort of move the podcast episode today is going into that binge restrict cycle because essentially it's what we've just spoken about there, but with binge episodes in the mix. So the self-restrictive patterns, that general term of self-restriction, we'd often assume that that is going to be eating less food. So when we then look at that being off the back of a binge of eating excess calories, eating till you feel sick or are sick, potentially it's food that you've hoarded and then you've eaten it all in one. Potentially, I spoke about this on the podcast with Emily, you've been for a meal out for your off plan, you're really excited, the food isn't that good. On your way home, you suddenly find yourself buying a takeaway pizza a load of chocolate and some ice cream or whatever, you know, this fictitious example there. So when we get into these binge restrict cycles, it's almost what you would essentially think that, why, if you're in the physique development realm, would you binge? Why would that happen? Because logically speaking, and, you know, if you found yourself in the past or now, you know, binging, and I can speak openly about this because you know, guys, there is never, ever any judgment from me. Let me make that clear. But if you wrote it out, and this is sometimes a good way to look at things, this is something I I do with clients. And, you know, if I'm trying to help someone that's come to me with, with something they're experiencing, write out the the, the behaviour that you're you're repeatedly doing. So, I'm a bodybuilder. I've fallen into the pattern of binge eating. What does that mean to me? So if we were to write that out, I'm a bodybuilder. So what is a bodybuilder? Someone that is striving to progress their physique. If you compete, you're looking to go through the different phases to essentially progress your physique over those multiple phases so that when you step on stage, you continue to improve your stage look. So that's what that, that term being a bodybuilder. So then having that description, I'm looking to progress my physique. I'm looking to, you know, step on stage, et cetera, et cetera. I eat in excess until I can't eat anymore or until I'm sick, however that looks for you. And, you know, the terminology that you would associate with your personal binge episodes it is actually different for different people. This can sometimes lead to also purging, which again is an individual 
response per se. So some people will binge and then go to bed. Some people will binge and then purge. You've got a multitude of ways, but the description that is appropriate to you. But when you write it out and you look at it, what am I? I'm a, I'm a bodybuilder, whatever, you know, whatever phase you're in. What does that mean to me? And then the behavior of your binge restrict cycles. And when you read that, this is where I say logically, logically speaking, it wouldn't make sense per se. Again, make it clear, there's no judgment here, but this is what I found very useful for myself and with clients. Because then when you write it down, instead of it just being internal talk and you know this constant battle in your own mind, it's like, okay, so why am I doing that? What, why has this happened? Because I'm a bodybuilder, I, I love bodybuilding. I want to progress, I want to do well. And then I'm doing this to myself. So then when we go from, you know, writing this down and, and essentially starting to self-actualize, we can then try to understand why we are doing this. So when it occurs post-show, it's almost a bit of a, a quite a different scenario to if this is happening in different phases or if you're a lifestyle client person listening, it's going to be different to post-show and what happens there. So if we speak about it in general terms, and that can be applied to post-show. So why am I doing this? So is it what you'd assume it to be, an emotional response? So am I overeating and going to the point of it being a binge episode? Because whenever something traumatic happens in my life, this is what I end up doing. So we know that that's emotionally led. Are we doing it to almost kick back at the process? So are you, as an example, dieting and you're finding yourself binging? Because really, you don't want a fucking diet. You don't want to keep restricting food. What you want to do is eat the nice food. So then we need to understand, okay, so if you're in a prep or a harsh diet, is that the right thing for you right now? Would it be better to self-actualize and go, okay, so to try and help myself with the binge episodes and the disordered way of, of acting around food, would I be better to have more food on a day-to-day -day basis, perhaps find a maintenance or a very slight deficit and sort out my relationship with food before I then embark on something like a prep or a harsh diet? That would be my thought process. That would be my advice. Guys, you've got to you've got to look at the bigger picture here. If you want to do a prep, a harsh diet, et cetera, et cetera, yes, you want to do it. You're infused, et cetera, et cetera. However, if you're binging and restricting, you're going to be potentially out of that deficit more than you would think. Because often when we binge, we're eating foods and we can't even account for them. So, you know, earlier I spoke about if I ate more than I thought I would, the next day I'd be visualizing the food, I'd write it down, I'd work out the calories. It, a lot of the time when you binge, you lose sense of control and you eat more than you perhaps thought you did. Sometimes you would hide the wrappers, you would, you know, almost want to forget that it happened. 
So the amount of calories that you're actually eating in this period, in this binge period, could be blowing your deficit out massively. And even if you self-restrict on the days after, you're still potentially not going to be even in a deficit. So let's think of this logically. Let's be kind to yourself. Let's understand where you're at. So you could set yourself a period of time, and this would be the ideal scenario from my point of view, trying to help anyone that's listening today that has these behaviors or you know has experienced this. I'm sure you're going to find it interesting to listen to it from a different point of view. But give yourself a bit of time to go, actually, I'm going to do, like I say, maintenance or a slight deficit. I veer towards more of a maintenance, and I'm sure many professionals would agree here, because we don't want to risk hunger sparking a binge episode. Just give yourself a bit of time, guys. You're not always having to be on this fucking hamster wheel, pressurizing yourself, I have to diet for X date, or, you know, I've got X amount of time chill strip it back what do we need to do what do we need to do to help you step away from the binge restrict cycle so like i say at least a, a period of time where you can go i really want to work on my relationship with food here and myself if possible seek further assistance if your bodybuilding coach is not qualified or not adaptable with this realm Get some additional help, please, guys, because if this carries on, when are you ever going to see what life can be? You know, it's important. It's so, so important. But I need you to actualize this to be able to move forward. So that would be almost the perfect resolution to start you off. Now, during that period of time, you may even find that you enjoy being at maintenance. Your love for training may come back because you actually found that you're eating food to fuel your performance. You may also find that the stage may wait a little bit longer because you realize there's a bit more work to be done than you first thought. And that is okay. That is okay. The stage will quite literally always be there. But won't, what won't always be there is your mental health and what you can apply yourself to as a competitor. Let me tell you, the next time, if and when I prep, I cannot fucking wait to prep without any food pathologies in my mind, without any skewing of thinking, oh, you know, I, I have to get a weight drop. I have to look a certain way. If I prep in the future, I'm doing it from a point of view that I want to step on stage now and I've done everything in my power to execute my plan. But what I also want to do is test how that's going to feel going into a prep without predisposed food pathologies. And it's exciting. But this is where I want to tell you guys, if you can get to this point where you see food as enjoyment, you sit down and you look at your plate and you go, wow, this is health. This is enjoyable to me. You take your time eating. You at times will look at experiencing potentially 
off-plan meals with friends and family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Of course, you know, generally this speaking, this will be out of a prep phase. But being able to try and deal with those demons, certainly, guys, it's so so important. And I'm never ever going to try and pretend to be in your head because some of you guys, as of high, we've been through the fucking ringer. The trauma that many of us will and have faced. Someone once said to me, and this is a very relevant point to say it. Everyone is fucked in their own way. Now, sometimes in life, you could, someone could say that to you and you go, no, that's out of order, you know, or people around you, that's out of order, you can't say everyone's fucked. But that's stuck with me ever since and I think of that quote every single day everyone is fucked in their own way and they are because what happens guys life fucks a lot of us up we are dealt terrible cards but we're also dealt opportunities to learn and grow and this is what I want it to frame as an opportunity for you to go through a maintenance a health phase to try and establish a relationship with food that is not married to bad and good, or this is losing weight, this is gaining weight, a, a health, a maintenance phase, which is what I did for this first part of the off season. Because for some of us guys, it's needed and it doesn't matter how fucking hard you are, how much you go to war, how, you know, how high you've even claimed, climbed the ranks as a competitor you might be an elite level pro you might be someone that has pursued the sport to a high level you might also be an amateur just starting out with the excitement in every part of your body for what this journey can bring this type of stuff that i'm talking about today affects us all and i wish that sometimes I could reach out through the headphones and give you a hug because that's what I wanted. All I wanted was someone to understand, someone to understand me for my analytical mind, my need for data, my desire to do my absolute best to step on stage and do myself proud because like I say, we all have struggles in this realm, guys. And it is okay, because generally speaking, it's because we fucking care. But sometimes you need help and you need to speak to people. You need to speak up, but you also need to own it. And it's fucking gnarly sometimes, guys. If you're binging, if you're restricting, whatever you're doing, admitting that to yourself is tough. And it's not going to be an easy road. It wasn't for me. It was it was extremely difficult. But the fulfillment that I face and that I feel every single day, I promise you, it is so, so worth it. And it is a journey, as is all of this. Now, that sounds like I'm going to wrap it up, guys, but there's a couple of other things I want to talk about today 
on this episode. So I touched on earlier about restricting through additional exercise or additional steps. And that is for sure a form of purging of, you're not necessarily restricting calories, but you're trying to do things that are going to take you into extra expenditure. Now, there's also two other ways I want to look at how you're essentially purging also. So there is the use of laxatives in this realm. And this essentially is, and that's like if you make yourself sick after you binge, you can try to use laxatives to essentially do the same. And slightly away from the grain, but another thought process that I had before recording today, and it's certainly something that I lent on to try and essentially expend more calories, was the use of stimulants. So I still feel that these three subjects are going to fall under self-restricting, essentially, and trying to lose weight or trying to claw back calories if you have binged. So we talk about one of the other sort of obvious ones, right? Overtraining. So doing excess cardio and maybe excess steps. So a very easy way for you to feel like you're doing more to get leaner or to stay lean. Maybe you tell your coach, maybe you don't. We've spoken about that on this episode today. So what I want to talk about mainly with the the additional steps or cardio is if this is to try and create a further deficit on top of your plan or against your plan, however we want to frame it, you need to be aware, like I spoke about earlier in the podcast, this is going against what your coach has set you and this could affect what your physique looks like on stage. Now, let's look at this logically speaking. So say you've been set, you start your prep at 10K steps as a fictitious example, and you're doing 12. The following week, your coach is going to need to go, okay, so they've done 12. I need to keep the data around the same. Okay, so we set the steps at 12. You decide to do 14. You can see how this would go over time. But if you keep bashing out a load of extra steps, this will generate fatigue. This will generate taxation on your legs. It can lead to additional inflammation. It can also have an impact on your training. You may find find that you can't train legs as hard if you're cane in the steps. And this also goes for cardio. Now with cardio, potentially we, we would view this as a more extreme way of burning the calories compared to steps, but steps are still fatiguing guys. Now with the cardio machines, say you're doing something like a stepper, that for sure, if that's on top of what's been assigned, could tax your legs more. And that can lead to, like I say, on on one tangent, additional inflammation that we're not equating for. It could also tax your leg training. So then let's think about this. Back to when we wrote out, what are we doing here? We're building our body. So if you're doing additional cardio and that affects your weight training, are we bodybuilding or are we slimming world twos? 
that's a question for you. What we need to look at here, guys, is if we're in a diet, if we're in a prep, either of those, what are we trying to do? We're trying to preserve muscle mass. And our intention, if we're bodybuilders, is the gym. It's not training steps and cardio. We do the cardio and the steps we're assigned. But if you're, especially if you're a professional athlete, if you're training is not your main focus, then we need to question what we're doing here, guys, because we're trying to get lean, but we're also trying to bring a physique to the stage. We're trying to bring a stage-worthy physique, not a flat pancake that's done excess cardio. Now, the question to you here is, if you're doing excess cardio and going against your plan, then your coach cannot help you to the full extent of what they're capable of doing if they're prepping you for a show. If you're doing excess cardio, equating to a deeper deficit and taxation on your CNS system and also on your physique, do you want to get to stage and go, ah, oh, I did those extra X steps or X cardio because mentally I wanted to get leaner quicker because I wanted to rush this process? Or do you want to go, I trusted my coach, they said do this, step on stage and look fucking sick and not have to, have to do extra cardio, guys. It's not bodybuilding. Bodybuilding is loving training, doing as much as you can in a prep for training performance. Yes, it gets harder towards the end of the prep. But you want to be capitalizing at the start of that prep when you feel good, fucking love feeling good. You don't have to feel like shit for the whole prep. That's not the idea. You want to feel as good as you can for as long as you can and then suck it up as it gets harder and harder, generally speaking, right? So at these periods of time when you're trying to do more for whatever re reason that is, essentially you're purging, if this is to do extra in a prep, you need to ask yourself, if you're doing a prep to bring a stage-worthy physique that is muscular, that is presenting on stage as a bodybuilder, is the extra cardio worth having an impact there? And that's a question for you. If you find yourself doing excess cardio or steps in the off-season, then similar thought process to what we're doing if we do it in a prep. Is that going to have an impact on your training performance? Just because you've got extra food, it doesn't mean that it's not going to tax you. Why are you doing extra steps or cardio? If you enjoy being active and you like going out and getting steps or your job is active or things like this, this is not restriction. This is lifestyle. If we're trying to pull ourselves into expenditure to almost, it's, it, there's certainly that relationship of, oh, I'm eating more food. I don't know if I want to eat all this food. Oh, this is really fucking hard. What I'm going to do is do steps. So I feel like, ah, oh, okay, I'm still bringing in a bit more expenditure. That's the thought process I'm talking about right now. So that taxation I spoke about on your CNS and also on your legs, this for sure can directly impact your training. Now, when we're in a growth phase or even that reverse out or a maintenance, what we're trying to do is be able to restore health and then be able to grow. So in order to grow, 
We want to sleep hard. We want to train hard. We want to eat well. They're our main fundamentals. Of course, PDs are used, but above all else, the fundamentals are in place. Now, when we find ourselves wanting to, as an example, your coach puts your food up and you think, ah, oh, I'll do some extra steps. You're then not utilizing the food that your coach has prescribed. Now, why is your coach prescribing you more food? Because the progress was on track and we want to push into the next phase of your growing. So then if you're then counteracting that by doing sneaky cardio or additional steps, then that is not being utilized for your progress as an athlete. Now, another common thing that can happen, and I've done it myself, I'm going to be honest, as always, that you can agree with your coach to do off-plan meals. So generally speaking, as you get into your off-season, maybe you do this in your reverse out in your maintenance, depending on who your coach is and also where you are at as an individual, if that's the right move for you. What you can do is potentially have off-plan, go a bit OTT, and then find yourself back into the self-restriction. That doesn't have to be a binge. That can be that you've maybe eaten more than you thought you were going to, or potentially you didn't have a great experience with the food, so you feel like you want to be almost self-sabotaging, detrimental to yourself, and you start to find yourself doing excess cardio to almost feel like you're counteracting the food you had. But remember, guys, what I spoke about before, you're going to drive more hunger. You're also not dealing with potentially your relationship with food and why this is occurring. If you're overeating on an off plan, then this needs to be a conversation with your coach and with yourself. So if you're new to this and you find yourself overeating every time you have an off plan scheduled, it's not... I'm, I'm going to put it out there, guys. This isn't necessarily your fault, but you're given essentially what we would label as freedom. So you want to eat some delicious foods. You want to be with your friends, your family, whatever that may be. You get caught up, you eat food. You've maybe been in a, in a diet, a deficit, and you haven't had those foods. And these sparkly new foods are there. They taste good. You eat excess food. What I would say, guys, is work with your coach. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. If free reign is too much for you right now, then nipping this in the bud and taking ownership is important. If it gets to off plan, you've been thinking about it all week. You've been watching food porn. You've been looking at menus. You're obsessed with the off plan. Again, I've been there. This is going to drive you to then set yourself up in essence, to fail. Now, that's not me saying you fail if you overeat, but if we look at success and failure, right? If we label it as that, because setting yourself up for success is being able to go into an off-plan meal with confidence in the approach. Now, this is for your coach to help you guys. And this, for sure, you need to understand where you're at and make that completely clear. So, if you want to go for an off plan and that is a suitable time for your journey and your coach has said, right, let's include an off plan. Lean on your coach. I wish I did this more. Have a look at a menu of where you're going. Send it to your coach. This is what I'd like to have. And then see what your coach thinks. 
potentially put the guidelines in place set yourself up to have what you're going to eat in the morning in the in the lunchtime if it's an evening meal what you're going to have around that meal this is what i do with all my clients what are we having for our meal out cool okay so the rest of the day looks like this next day you're back on the food plan we crack on not looking to self-restrict However, if I have clients that do eat more or overeat, we have a fucking conversation. We are human guys, and this is what your coach is here for. You're paying for a service and you're paying for support and help. So if you overeat, speak to your coach. You can make tweaks and amendments together to sort this out for what it is. But what then needs to happen is work on your mindset and your relationship with food. And that's the best route forward if you experience yourself getting into these realms of wanting to overtrain off the back of an off-plan meal. So now let's talk about the other angle of what we do when we purge. So laxatives, I've spoken about this on a solo episode before. Now, I am now, this is, it's a funny way to say it, guys, Um and it, it's quite upsetting for me to even voice it out loud because I didn't realize how bad it got, but I needed to take ownership of it. So I was essentially, I'm not going to say addicted, but I was relying on laxatives. Now, I've got an addictive personality, so it is borderline addicted because I would lean on laxatives to be able to go to the toilet. Now, that comes from years of dieting. Again, a physiological kickback. If you keep trying to stay lean, if you don't spend periods of time out of a deficit, these things can occur. Your digestion can have problems. You can affect your physiological makeup. You can end up needing to rely on assistance for going for doing something normal like going to the toilet, guys. And this is what happened to me. But then I didn't realize how I was in, again, a cycle of essentially utilizing laxatives to be able to just go to the toilet. Now, I'm this is where it's it's quite hard to voice. I'm now six months clean. That sounds very bizarre. But I haven't used laxatives for six months. I use a Senna tea bag every day. And that helps me right now to be able to maintain regular digestion it's not perfect i still have days where it doesn't occur but it's a work in progress and this is off the back of me essentially utilizing laxatives but also dieting for so many years back to back so when we then look at the realm of purging with laxatives now this is not something i did but i just want to give you a bit of a backstory into my own use of laxatives and essentially a bit of an olive branch to say that I do understand the use of laxatives. When you're using laxatives, if you've overeaten, essentially you are trying to purge, like if you went to the gym and did an hour run. If you use the laxatives, you think that you're going to have a bowel movement, a clear out, and that's going to rectify overeating. And this, again, is a slippery slope because abusing laxatives can lead to digestive problems. It can lead to effects on your organs mentally it also does not feel good if we're using laxatives to a degree of essentially you know forcing a a a big clear out 
mentally you associate that as an option to be able to feel like you've got rid of food so the psychology behind that is very similar to the binge restriction of food or overtraining it's trying to get rid of the food that you've eaten by utilizing laxatives again speaking to your coach about this is important but also looking at the bigger picture guys and listening to me here i sit here with problems health conditions health problems off the back of trying to stay lean for as long as possible from self-restricting from utilizing laxatives i have organ problems i also have had to deal with mental health the food relationship the relationship with my body image how i view progress my relationships all of these things have happened and it's hit me like a ton of fucking bricks. And I've worked hard in this off season for 16 months to try and restore my health markers. This even falls back on, you know, I don't know when I last slept for a whole night. Now I know we normally get up for a wee in the night being bodybuilders, but I'm talking about, you know, my, my sleep quality, I'm probably getting, the best I've got recently is maybe five hours at a push of sleep. But that's from these habit building of associating no sleep in a prep with being normal. Again, if we're restricting, it becomes a normal habit. These are all things that bodybuilders can experience. If we use laxatives, it becomes a habit. All of these things build into habits and they become normal. And this is another reason for doing this podcast today, because these things I'm talking about are detrimental to your psychological and physiological health, guys. We've got to look at where do we want our life to be in five, 10 years time. Me, 12 years down the line, there's a lot of things I'm addressing here. And it's not easy. It's a bitter pill to swallow. I wouldn't change it. Because let me tell you, one of the reasons I wouldn't change it is because I wouldn't be able to sit here today and help you guys by telling you the truth of what can happen if you fuck around and you abuse your body too much over time. I wouldn't have that opportunity to help my clients and delve into coaching people through the post-show period, the reverse out, being able to help because I've been there. And I, I I wouldn't be able to, I don't feel, do that to the degree that I do if I hadn't experienced what I have. And I've pretty much done everything you can imagine in regards to working on rectifying all of these things. And I'm living proof there is hope that you can get yourself back on track, but it is certainly not easy. And the last one I'm going to talk about here, guys, is the use of stimulants. So in my last prep, my stimulant use got pretty high. I utilized Clem and Yohimbine. I was also using caffeine and monsters, as I mentioned earlier. Now, when I came off the back of my prep, the view was to titrate down. So essentially going from a high dose of stimulants slowly bringing them out so your himbine went out straight away and my clen titrated down as i moved through the reverse out 
But I found that I certainly had a psychological pattern to wanting to keep the clen in as the food went up because I was scared of having more food. I love getting lean and that is something I've had to deal with. I, I just thrive in prep. I absolutely love it. One of my best friends, Georgia, she listens to the pod. And I did a podcast with her and her other half, Matt. They've both been on this podcast. And I went on theirs and she was like, you just love everything about prep. And I was like, oh, you're definitely one of my friends. Because she can see, you know, it's quite clear I love prep. And this is why it's been hard to not do it for this elongated period of time. But certainly, as I move through that phase, the desire to want to have clean and continue that as I was in my off season was certainly there. And what I did, and I haven't voiced this out loud, apart from obviously to Matt and Tom, is that I got top, I got Matt to hide the clen. Now, guys, I don't need to hold back here. I'm happy with being vulnerable and being honest with you guys. If I help one person today, that is, for me, everything. I had to take ownership and say, I'm going to keep taking the clen if I know where it is. I need you to remove it so it's not there. And... Does that feel like weakness? Yes. Does that feel like I've got a problem? Yes. But how do I sort out a problem if I don't take ownership and I ask for help from someone that I love and I trust? So that's what I did. This also, guys, transfers into if you're struggling with food in the house, if you're struggling with going to the gym and doing excess cardio, Speaking to your partner or someone that has an impact on your day-to-day -day life, tell them straight, I can't stop doing X. I need your help. And that's what I did. And that's certainly something I would recommend. If you've got someone you can reach out to, ask for help. Just be honest, guys. You're being detrimental to yourself and it's going to be an individual reason to you, but you need help. And that is okay. It is okay for sure. And the way I want to wrap this episode up today is on that exact topic. If you're listening today and you've got a partner that is exhibiting signs of self-restriction, I want to surmise potentially how you could help them. So we've spoken about people making comments, people imparting their opinions on you and how much that upsets me so as a partner with someone that is struggling and wants to stay lean try and understand it from their point of view take your emotions out of the equation and this is what Matt had to do for me he loves me and wants to see me healthier he doesn't want to see me trying my best to stay lean at a very unrealistic body weight because he wants me to feel good and be able to live because towards the end of that last prep, it was brutal guys. As you can pick up, I absolutely love the brutality of it, but for him, it was hard to see. So then the reason I mentioned this is because in his mind, he wants me to get healthy, but in my mind, I want to stay lean. 
So the emotion needs to be taken out from the partner if they are stepping up. So if you have someone that's trying to stay lean and they are self-restricting, try and understand for a moment how that feels in their head, the day-to-day -day internal talk that they're going to be going through. This is not easy for them. It is not easy. But what they need is for you to understand and for you to listen. So by you imparting your opinions and saying you shouldn't be doing this, why are you doing this? We need to remove blame. We need to remove negativity. You might see it from an outsider's point of view that they're doing this and it's detrimental, but they can't see it in that way because they're so ingrained in what they're feeling right at that point. You pushing back is not going to help. Take ego out, take judgment out, take emotion out and see it for what it is. Your partner or your friend needs help. For them to talk openly and honestly with you and for you to be invested, for you to be present, for you to take time and be there. Look them in the eyes, hug them, cry together. Let them know that you want to help them, that this is hard for you also, but they're the priority. This for sure is certainly if you want to help your loved one, this is the direction I would sincerely take because you'll notice as a partner potentially, you know, if someone's hiding food or not finishing their plate or going to the gym earlier than need to, little warning signs and red flags. If you go in all guns blazing, that could potentially lead to this getting more detrimental to that person and this could exacerbate it more and lead to any of the things that I've spoken about today. So please try to just take it down a notch, come away from the situation, utilize what I've spoken about today and how that may feel for your loved one and try to help them rather than go in, in all guns blazing. So guys, I'm aware that this has been a lengthy episode and it is a bonus episode. I feel like it was a good time to do it today because there's a lot of talk on this series about mental health, but also the detriment of things like self-restricting as a person, competitor, bodybuilder, however we want to frame it. I also, I hear you. I always want to give you a voice. You know that. That is my sole purpose here. If I can help as I mentioned earlier, one of you self-actualize and move forward. That to me is everything. And I will never take this position that I'm in for granted. So I hope that this episode has been useful. If you have anyone that would you know, benefit from listening today, please send it over to them. If you want to talk to me, reach out. I will get back to you. And Instagram is normally the best place. You will find me, Sarah Parker underscore BB. And if you enjoy this episode and you feel it would be useful to share it on your stories, to spread the word that people are heard, that they do have a voice, then I'd love to see it because it helps me get the podcast in more ears. It helps me spread the message and be able to support our community. And I really appreciate it when you guys share it, because like I say, it helps me help you and our community. 
And I will leave it there for today, guys. But thank you for listening. And I will speak to you next week. Hey.